Welcome to Ed Talks UK. I'm your host for this episode, Jessica Marvel. And today we're going to be talking about well-being in this challenging time. We are in a holding position right now as we hope to transition back into greater normality, and that's if the COVID-19 virus can be contained. I'm joined today by Karen Hutchinson, Hearts for Learning's well lead well-being advisor. Karen's team has been at a full stretch through the pandemic, supporting schools on a wide range of well-being issues and has just completed the rollout of the Wellbeing for Education return training funded by the Department for Education and the follow-up surgeries. Hello, Karen. How are you? Hello there. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. It's so nice to see you today. Me too. The title for this podcast is Rhythm of Our Lives. Can you tell me uh, a little bit about what you mean by that? Through this last year and more that we've been dealing with COVID, every single rhythm in our life has been impacted uh, and has been knocked for six. So things have been different from how we would normally have them. And and in fact, I think we probably don't realise how much we depend on certain patterns and rhythms that carry us really comfortably through our lives. Um, and to such an extent that a lot of the time we're we're almost on automatic you know it's just time to do the shopping uh, oh but I could fit it in here and then I'll go on and do whatever next and you know everything that has given us that normality that dependability that smooth running has gone and we've had to find different and new rhythms and that's disturbing to us even if we don't realize at the time yeah I can I can imagine. I mean, I think there are rhythms that we feel comfortable with and give us a, a sense of understanding what to expect. And yeah. I think with what's happened this year in the last 12 months, you know, those kind of expectations have fallen through. Tell me about how the rhythms of schools has changed pre and post lockdown, you know. Oh, my goodness. The, I mean, the level of disruption to school systems has has just been enormous and and not only that but it's also been in that constant change constant flux so some children have been in school uh, other children have been forced to be at home whether they wanted to be or not and you know at, at first that was probably uh, just fine but the longer it went on you know that was more and more difficult for children and young people to deal with and it's not just that, but it's the constant change. It's the fact that we then came back and we were going in a new direction and then we were back again um, into a lockdown, which is re just really challenging. Um, and I spoke to an infant head, uh, infant school head yesterday, and she was pointing out that only one of their classes in the school has actually experienced a whole year of school life. So, you know, coming back from that, is, is challenging. Um, so children are back in school now, but many of them have forgotten that collaboration, cooperation, the, the waiting when they need to wait because there's 30 other people around all vying for um, somebody's attention. So we've, we've lost that security of the regular rhythms in our lives. That's not to say that there haven't been good things that have come from it. But nevertheless, it has disrupted um, how how our emotions usually bubble on through. Mm -hmm. So tell me, can you say about some of the schools that you've been working with as well? How are they responding to this situation? 
my goodness, schools are just doing a brilliant job. They are rising to every challenge um, and they, they are so focused on meeting people needs. There's a need for people to be reassured um, that their children are safe at school and we've come through that but we are still in very much a honeymoon period at the moment where children are really glad to be back at school, they're seeing their friends, they're able to play together in the playground albeit within bubbles. In secondary schools, you know, they're back learning and that anxiety about what's going to happen to me and my future, it, you know, is is back on, on the shelf a little bit. And I can only express my admiration really for senior leaders and wider school staff that have just coped with everything that this has thrown at them. And I, and I know a lot of them are really struggling to keep going simply because they're dealing with this privately and with all the disruption at school and I have I have enormous faith in them and admiration for them. Yeah absolutely I have two teenage daughters and they've been through quite quite the year and yeah. I think the schools have done a great job trying to manage expectations and manage the sort of sudden changes in rules and regulations uh, you know the children do find it hard but I think yeah. they're starting to see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, definitely. Yes, yeah, we're on the up. So um, why do you think it's important for schools to recognise students' well-being, you know, after after what they've been through, after the lockdown, after the rules changing, after, you know, wearing, having to wear masks and, you know, in the secondary schools? You know, why, why do you think it's so important right now, especially? I think what the, the, the huge task for us is to re-establish a more long-lasting and a natural school rhythm. Um, we're not there yet and in different schools the, the challenges are different. So with younger children, you know, it's about still holding them in an abeyance um, so, that, so that they've got temporary rhythms that are carrying them through. But, you know, all that normality that we long for of going into an assembly together and all having that really positive collective experience you know that's still a long way away or it feels it at the moment so focusing on young people's well-being is is key to just keeping them in that place where they can see all the positives around them they can value uh, what contact they do have with other children and we're giving them the resilience to recognise all the good things in their lives. In secondary schools it's about just reassuring them that you know that it has been very disrupted but it's not going to impact on the rest of their lives. Actually they have uh, a set of experiences that has been challenging but you know they will rise through that and they won't be victims of it in their future. So we can refer back to that rich history that we've all had together in school um, and, and we can keep young people going. But the truth is that, you know, the real, any real issues that are impacting on students' well-being have yet to come out you know that those kinds of expressions of trauma don't necessarily bubble to the top yet until we actually do have that regular rhythm and pattern back and that's when it will surface there's a lot of talk and concern about an achievement gap 
um, you know, there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of plans for catch ups and and, you know, summer at schools and things like that. Do you how, how important do you think well-being is in order to to achieve that, you know, to to fill that gap? Because I, I think it's really crucial. Yes, without well-being solidly in place, you know, without that sense of security in yourself, positive emotional well-being, um, an ability to get help when needed, then we're not in a position to learn at all. Um, that that's the bedrock. It's the it's the stuff that has to be right if we're going to do the the best we can and be the best we can be. So schools I know are so well aware of that. Um, and of course there's a huge pressure to uh, to do catch up and so on, but it can't be at the expense of putting more pressure onto children and young people who have who have already been through so, so much. Yeah, and, and school wellbeing, staff wellbeing, I think is a, a big part of that too, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I think that one of the big takeaways, um, really positive takeaways, is that there's such a wide recognition now that actually if our staff wellbeing isn't in place, then our children aren't getting the best deal that they can get. So, um, yeah, investing in our staff wellbeing is really important. Okay. And can you tell me, are there any particular groups whose well-being do you think has been hit harder than others across this year? Oh gosh, there's so much research on this actually. There's a saying that's become quite common, certainly among uh, people like myself. I didn't coin it, but we've all been through the same storm, but we've been in different boats. So some of us have had a fairly comfortable storm um, in, a, in a comfortable boat and the pressure hasn't been too much. And some of us have, have really been having to bail out all the time and, you know, um, haven't had a sale and have gone round in circle. You know, it's been different for everybody. So we can't, although we've been in it together, and that's been a, a really important thing to, as a takeaway. You know, we've made new connections, perhaps with neighbours um, and, you know, things like that. Nevertheless, some people have had a much harder time of it and and that you know their resilience around them the factors around them haven't been able to carry them through as successfully so it it's difficult to know where people really are and i think checking in with people all the time and not just once but you know sometimes challenging that superficial how are you yeah i'm fine you know really how everything's okay you know just pushing it a little bit further is just so important I think a feature of going through a pandemic is that there are some people that we knew were vulnerable going into it and they will be vulnerable coming out of it uh, but there are some people who were our stalwarts and our uh, people that we feel we can totally rely on at all times come what may and actually their experience of the pandemic has thrown them completely so it's hard to predict where the problems are going to be having said that there are groups that have had a harder time when you look at it as a group and that you know just one example of that is um that all the data on how heavily impacted our black asian and minority ethnic families have been you know they've they've had far more 
um, experience of bereavement through this than the rest of us. And, and of course, very sadly, we've also seen a, an increase in child abuse through the pandemic. So, you know, it's just really important to, to remember that um, it might be better for us at this moment. Um, it, it may not be for everybody. I certainly think we need to recognise that all the evidence is that our seven to 24 year olds uh, are the ones who are going to be most heavily impacted by all of this. And so we really need to be providing some well-being um, and resilience, extra support for them. And do you think schools are able to 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 get that support right now as well? There's so much out there that schools can access. I think the problem is sifting through it all and finding what's the best thing for an individual. I think the challenge for for schools going forward is that um, at the moment there's no expansion of the outside support that schools would call on for um, for individuals to get referrals to. Uh, so. Yeah, it's going to be difficult, um, and but I know schools are determined to do their best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, like as you said, seven to twenty-four year olds will, you know, have had a ha had a massive impact on them, and I think we have yet to see, you know, fully the extent of that impact. But do you think there are some positive takeaways from this lockdown as well, from the from all the lockdowns we've had? Yes, that's a great question. Um, there have been some great, great takeaways. Um, for a start, just the importance of well-being has really been called to our attention, hasn't it? That, you know, there's no good piling pressure on top of pressure on top of pressure to our pupils and our students and our staff and our leaders, because um, actually a human being is only human. Um, so that's that importance of paying that deep attention to well-being, I think, has really shone through. And I, I'm really pleased to see that therefore schools have got that confidence to to not neglect under all the pressure, um, the well-being side of things. The new health curriculum that began this year couldn't have been better timed. It's, you know, it's been perfect. So schools have had that planning in place um, to to have lessons on mental health and well-being, um, staff have been trained on how to teach about it, and you know there's been so much on that this year that that schools have just been in a good place to just pull out of the bag, which is fantastic. We've had stronger and more regular links with parents uh, through this lockdown, and that's been fantastic. Parents have appreciated it. Schools have appreciated parents' concerns and worked with them. And hopefully that will just be the start of greater parent engagement with schools because parents make such a difference. I'm a big believer in the power of nature as well. And um, the outdoors is incredibly good for us. And it, sometimes it feels like we're dragging our children out into the outdoors, especially our teenagers, but actually it, it releases oxytocin in the brain and it does us the world of good. And many, many families have discovered the joy of their local parks and going for walks together. And that's been enormously powerful and has really sustained us through. 
And I think as well, a lot of a lot of young people are going back to school and realizing that they actually secretly liked school all along. Um, They just didn't appreciate it because they were told to be there. Yeah, absolutely. I think my my children have appreciated how much they are encouraged by peer support while they're in school, you know, how uh, encouraged they are by being with their teachers in person, you know, and, and as much as they've really improved on their skills at working from home, because I think that's the way they'll be preparing for life now, you know, they've also appreciated what it means to be part of a school and a school community that can be really key for well-being as well, I think. Yeah. I do think some changes, as you say, will stay. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there are a lot of schools that are realising that having, for example, staggered breaks, Mm -hmm. uh, if if that can be accommodated going forward when we're out of all of our bubbles, Mm -hmm. actually, it just gives children more space uh, and it gives them a more civilised pace to relax in. So, you know, it's not just working at home that will increase perhaps, you know, maybe maybe it's other things as well that we've learned. Definitely. It's good to see children in schools enjoying nature with their classes and, and, and opportunities for, to, for learning in the outdoors, I think, has really improved. There's more time spent outdoors, less time within four walls in a school. And that's great to see in schools today. Definitely. So um, uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about today is our upcoming well-being conference, Flourishing Lives. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh my goodness, we are so excited about it. It's called Flourishing Lives because that is so much the focus. Uh, We've got some really exciting speakers. Pookie Knight-Smith is the uh, headline, I suppose. She's a very, very well-known internet guru. So she'll be kicking us off. We're going to be talking about the neuroscience of well-being. Uh, going into a little bit more depth and seeing what happens in the brain as as children grow so that we can tailor that um, that learning about growing up to really help children um, understand what's not just what's happening physically to their bodies but what's happening in their brain to their emotions Um, that's going to be really interesting Uh, we've got um, a poet coming Mm -hmm. because creativity is just so important and we're going to have a little section focusing on that one of the things that's coming up a lot in conversations with um, teachers and head teachers is the worry about being able to evidence the impact of the work that they're doing around emotional well-being and and wider uh, relationships sex and health education as well so we're certainly going to look at that um but um so there's some real kind of workhorse stuff in there and some some exciting creative new ideas i hope too that sounds wonderful can you tell me uh, how can our listeners find out more about this conference flourishing lives it's coming along on the 15th of june if you just pop along to the heartsforlearning.co.uk website Uh, and look at the events page all the information and our flyer is right there and you can book on Um, we're really hoping that lots of people will come and join us Uh, so thank you so much Karen for joining me today it's been really interesting really enjoyable to talk to you about this topic today and I'm pretty sure we'll be speaking again soon Um, so hope so Thank you so much to our listeners. Uh, We look forward to you joining us next time for more at EdTalks UK.